everybody to a special episode of Tuning Fork. My name is David. I'm Matt. I'm Matt. And we have a guest today. Hello. Here I am. Hi. Uh, it's it's Scott Matt. I'm also a Matt. We do have several Matts on the show right now. Um, David, you also forgot like the show. This is this is this Tuning is a Fork. show. It's, it's a Tuning show Fork. about Pitchfork and the media hype machine. Yeah, it's a show about music and the Pitchfork media hype machine. Um, today we're uh, we're talking about uh, one of uh, our guest's favorite albums. What are we talking about today? Uh, talking about LCD Sound System. This is happening? Is this it? This is happening? I it think is. It, I, I think, think this it is, is happening, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it happening. at least was it's happening recording? in 2010. Oh my god, it's making a noise. It was yeah. happening in 2010. It may still be happening now. It may still be happening now. I mean, um, James Murphy no longer has a black president. No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> In fact, so, he has an orange one instead, because he's orange. He is orange. Uh, LCD Sound System, uh, let's see, they started in the early 2000s uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, they kind of were one of the originators of the whole dance punk scene in that uh, area. Yeah, um, I mean, it, when it wasn't LCD Sound System itself, it was James Murphy behind the keys because, like, he produced the uh, the Rapture album Echoes, which I think was like 2003. So before uh-huh. like any LCD stuff had come out. Yeah, and like at the same time, there there was uh, you know all the the uh, the post punk revival stuff happening. So like Interpol was really big at the time, and I, I feel like some people just wanted to go, hey. Let's see if we can do a thing where we make people dance to punk music. Yeah, and around the I- same time is when he was launching uh, DFA Records and had yeah. sent a cease and desist to Canada's Death From Above uh, <laughs> because they tried to use the same names. Um, and then they renamed themselves Death From Above 1979 and said that James Murphy should be jihaded. Real <laughs> uh, edgy well. guys. <laughs> um. Yeah, like, dance punk kind of made me. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Sure, Just make made you as a person? <laughs> um, I think that the, the, the that, like, block party and stuff like that was definitely the, the big pivot for me for, for doing, like, a... Um, for doing, like... Uh, for setting the, the scene for the rest of my music taste, I think, like, when... when uh, around, around that sort of time, I was a mosher, as we're known over here. Uh, I was really into like metal and stuff like that, and then just drips and drabs of LCD sound system came through. Um, but I don't know. I think I think we'll get into this later. But I, I think dance punk kind of means quite a lot to American people than what it does to British people. Yeah, no, I, I think I think they're they're working from like a different pool of influences is a good part of it. Yeah, um, like getting into some of the stuff that um, that inspired LCD sound system. If you were to read the Pitchfork review, you would assume that it was only um the like the berlin trilogy of david bowie albums and literally nothing else because uh, that's like the only <laughs> point of comparison that ryan Domball makes the whole time which makes yeah. very little sense it makes very little sense except for the song all i want which is literally just heroes it's the yeah, same it fucking song <laughs> yeah like it's literally the same song uh but otherwise like um we we actually did two, we read two different reviews uh, for the uh, for the episode this week because there was a, a very good Coke Machine Glow review that kind of uh, contrasted the Pitchfork review is almost like a review of the Pitchfork review itself and uh, the way that James Murphy is treated by the music press as like some kind of like genius. Yeah, uh, so the, the and Pitchfork also like review. Traced his, 
Yeah, sorry. The Pitchfork Review got a, a 9.2, and I think you already said it was by Ryan Dumball, who I yeah. think we've covered before. Um, and it's it's really uh, it's really wordy um, in the in the tradition of you know the greatest Pitchfork reviews. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he he really uh, tries to um, compare James Murphy to you know the forefathers of rock um, in a way that. I guess they thought was useful for their readers, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how useful it ended up being. I think something that's that's always been a lot of people's problem with Pitchfork as media criticism is that they can't seem to say something is good without venerating it as some kind of genius. Like yeah. nothing nothing really pops over a 9 without like some kind of outsized comparison to some you know, previous band or some outsized comparison to like fucking religious figures. Like that, that's the kind of shit that happens or, you know, being compared to a shooting star, uh, which they had never seen before. <laughs> no, they'd never even seen a shooting star before. And, and yeah, given this is the, the second consecutive album to get precisely the score of 9.2 by LCD sound system. Um, it was, <laughs> it's heightened even more. Cause you know, the continuation of this kind of veneration only leads to, you know, like, basically, like, the canonization within, like, the Pitchfork lore. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, like, the Bowie comparison is, like, the one that uh, lapped out to me when I was in 2010, because I was just a little bit less musically literate. Like, I'd never listened to ESG, I'd never listened to the Gang of Four, anything like that. So, like, for me listening to it in 2010, it was, it was like there was bits of Bowie in it that I recognized and almost everything else was not recognizable to me in any real way other than other mm. LCD sound system records. So like, yeah, were you, I think it's were interesting. You into, that, like, were you into Sound of Silver uh, before this one came out? Yeah, Sound of Silver. Well, so I got I got into LCD sound system through GTA, really, through that GTA advert. Yeah, uh-huh. they had oh, yeah. Um, they had uh, Get, Get Innocuous. Innocuous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would always be really happy when my brother was playing uh, GTA and that song would come on and he would <laughs> always switch the station when it did because he hated it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's just such a cool advert. And um, I, I mean, because around that time we had really good music uh, music channels on TV and uh, we had like MTV2, which was sort of like an indie rock MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was lo- like I, I was still quite into metal around then and I was still a bit like, uh, reserved about getting into other stuff just because I was like a teenager, um, but yeah, around that time like North American Scum came out and I remember that like banging pretty hard. It was like the middle of the summer and like it kind of just it went off really well that summer and then get innocuous on the advert. So I'd kind of I had them like locked in quite early as like oh I quite like a couple of their songs and I think I bought Sound of Silver and didn't really listen to much of it, but um, yeah like. At the time, I I didn't really. I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't get into this as happening until like maybe four or five years ago. Sure. Um. So when I actually came to it, like it was more alongside a lot of the influences that Pitchfork seemed to just completely ignore. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's always interesting <clears throat> getting into like the the big hype albums like well well after their hype period because like yeah. I've I've had this happen to me a few times. Um, like listening to um arctic monkeys debut like well well after their hype period and i was just kind of like i don't really get it yeah because <laughs> it's like it, there's so much about like a band like a band's hype that kind of builds your own narrative around it even if you don't recognize it 
and uh, coming into it just being like I'm looking at this from purely musical perspective without any context around it and you're not necessarily going to get the same experience for better or worse right the the peak um, of uh, the peak of LCD sound systems hype kind of came a little after this album came out I think when they announced they were breaking up and did the Madison Square Garden show yeah well, they they had Terminal Five. They had Madison Square Garden, and then they did like six shows at Terminal Five because the Madison Square Garden one sold out like literally within thirty seconds, I think, because it was like yeah. assaulted by scalpers. <laughs> I actually watched Shut Up and Play the Hits recently, and um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a bit where Donald Glover's in the crowd and he's like going crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's like his first. Still got to talk about camp at some point. We do got to talk about camp at some point. You got to. Um, so, but yeah, six. like I, I, I think because I because I wasn't super into LCD Sound System when they were a band. I have a really, really bad habit of finding bands that I like properly connect with just after they break up. Like it, it seems to constantly happen to me. Um, and uh, because yeah, I I missed all the kind of proper hyper and LCD Sound System when LCD Sound System were were kind of large and in charge. Right. I was I was just into other indie stuff. So. Then when I came to it, kind of with a fresh set of ears, I, yeah, I like it. Like properly, kind of blew me away, and I bought into like the James Murphy as a genius stuff quite mm-hmm. quite easily. I will be honest, quite easily. Yeah, um, but but not but not because he's really good at writing songs like Bowie or anything like that. It's more like he's a really good producer. Well, yeah, he's yeah good and at that's what like he does. that. That's something yeah. that like um, the the Coke Machine Glow review, which um, basically it bites into the uh james murphy as genius narrative but like at no point does it admit anything less than him being a near genius producer like him behind the him behind the boards has always been his greatest strength and they recognize that like they're like it's it's a good album it's a very 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 well made album but here are our various problems with the way he um uses his influences And the way he writes his lyrics, which we will get to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, once we're you know, once we're into once we're into the tracks, but like largely, um, yeah. he's a lot more tolerable when he's being sincere, and he is an irony boy at heart. So you only get that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like someone great from uh, <laughs> yeah. Sound of Silver is a really good example of him being sincere as like one of the best moments on the album. Yeah. Yeah. And then on this Would one, you guys there's, say there's a... there's more sincerity on American Dream, or do you think it's because I'm not as familiar think... with American Dream? I only listened to it maybe three or four times. Yeah, I only had a couple of there's... plays through that one compared to like these ones, which had like endless spins back in the day. Yeah, I really like I really really like American Dream, um, but the some of the songs kind of verge on in a good way, not like uh, like stadium rock, but like not in the way that like later Foles albums kind of have a stadium thing where it kind of feels like they're made to be played in like sports ads or like sports breaks. I can tell you uh, with confidence, newer Foles literally plays at my work, which is a gym. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. Exactly. So like, it's not, it's not that kind of stadium rock, but it is, um, it's not anything like someone great or anything like that. I mean, the, the good songs, I think in terms of what's, what the song, yeah. which songs sound really good. Um, I don't think, it's it's just hard to gauge the sincerity on it because it feels like a a slightly different band, slightly different band. Yeah, most of the same people on that one though, eh? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, which is which is really it, cool. It, I mean, that said, um, if you actually look at the the personnel on 
on uh, on this album specifically, but most of the albums, yeah. um, it's just it's pretty much just James on the record. Like he's yeah. he is playing everything on the record, and most of yeah. the other credits are going to be like hand claps or shouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we don't we don't say- we don't even get a minute of Nancy on the keys on this one, which is like one of the best parts about seeing them live is getting Nancy on the keys. I think the the big contemporary of LCD sound systems that I was listening to at the time of this album was uh, Chick Chick Chick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and the, that's which is that's a band I never got into. Yeah, a lot in common with the way LCD sound system runs things. Although it doesn't get, uh, I feel like they're almost always in like the jokey LCD sound system territory of songs. Oh yeah, they're yeah. like Nick Nick Offer is an extremely like uh, almost like hypersexual frontman. <laughs> Like he he's he's always like wearing a half shirt and just like co- just like completely gyrating like at every moment that he's on stage. I mean, they've got the beats for it. You might as well go for it. Yeah, true, 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 true. But yeah, yeah. see, uh, I'm just gonna read this out because I think it would be funny to read it out all at once. James Murphy, vocals, tracks 1 to 5, 7 to 9. Guitar, tracks 2 to 4, 6, 7 to 9. Claps, track 2 to 4, 6, 7 to 9. Drums, tracks 2 to 4, 6 and 9. Bass, tracks 2, 6, 4. Okay, you know what? That's going to take too long. But, like, there are an almost immeasurable number of credits on this. And then the only other credits we have are uh, both Pat Mahoney and Nancy Wang each have uh, two tracks. And they're, like, the other two members of the band proper. Yeah. And then Tyler Pope on bass and... An, unmentioned philip mossman and that's it for like the main band <laughs> otherwise it's like there's there's a small couple of things throughout the other tracks but like largely it's uh it's just james do you think the reason pitchfork like this so much is because because it's literally almost all james murphy they can like do that like deifying thing to one person in a band way easier and that's why they connected so well with it I don't, I don't know if it's uh, i don't know if it's that necessarily i i think <laughs> it's a lot just like the kind of the kind of personality that James Murphy puts out through his songs is one that's very relatable to their largely male white writing staff. Yeah. Sure. Like yeah, they've yeah. gotten better recently with that, but at the time <laughs> they, they do uh, do that pretty often though. Like when uh, there's an obvious like creative force behind a record and like the person is responsible for like 90% of the sound that you hear on it. They tend to, they tend to really like, go into that person specifically um yeah like yeah. with like with any of montreal review because almost every record of theirs is effectively a kevin barnes solo record and then they right. turn it into a full band performance yeah we should uh we should start getting into the tracks i think so. let's do it starting with uh Track one. one of the <laughs> one of the songs that you really couldn't get away from at all in like this year or the next couple of years, uh, dance yourself clean. Spelled Y R S E L F. I'm I'm really glad that he decided to go for the Y R spelling uh, rather <laughs> yeah. than the U R spelling. It's just the cooler spelling. Yeah, can that I, was kind of a I, moment. Can I have a Y R confession moment here? I yeah. never listened to this song because it had the Y R in it for wow. years. 
because I had this shitty ex that always used for to years use spelled Y R S. I was like even yeah. like Tumblr, and I just saw it and was like, nah, "Fuck that! That's probably one of her bands. She probably likes that." And just pied it off, completely ignored it for years and years and years. And then when I came back to the album proper in what like 2015, it like obviously blew my socks off. Very silly boy. Oh man, I, like this this song was almost a meme for a bit. Like it. I remember on Tumblr there was uh, a parody of it that somebody made that was just all uh, like cat meows, like overlaid <laughs> with each other. Oh my um, god! I think I, I probably saw the still MP3 have three of that. Yeah, I think um, it was by it was it was labeled as by LCD Cat System. Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there was definitely um a lot of I mean there's there's a lot of contemporary memes that's like something and then something at like this point in the song. And yeah. people would have that for the the drop in this one because it's it's very it's it's a large increase in volume very suddenly. Yeah, it's yeah. about three minutes in, right? Yeah, I mean, and it, it was a, a note in the um, Coke Machine Glow review. If you had any reason to dislike LCD Sound System in the past, it's like the song "Dance Yourself Clean" is taunting you, because it really <laughs> is like all the all the parts of LCD Sound System that you might not care for are all in the same song. Like James Murphy's like kind of half singing, um, half monologuing his kind of stilted writing all together. Um, it kind of like, sounds like ex- Kermit on this one. This is a kind of sounds Kermit like Kermit on this one. Uh, remember how Kermit was in the music video for New York I Love You But You're Bringing Me Down? Because that was good. Oh, jeez. But yeah, um, and then of course it's nine minutes of length. Yeah. Which, I mean, I feel I like mean, it songs earns it, long but I like the song. Album. Oh yeah, I long. mean this this album uh, peaks over the one hour mark while only having nine songs, so it'll happen. The, the LCD Sound System double album This is Happening. I have to say, since I since I got the vinyl, uh, I um, hey, I have the I'm vinyl. I'm like sick to my stomach of listening to it on vinyl because <laughs> you have to listen to somebody's calling me and home on the same side. But you have to like by that point you've already listened to three sides. You've already flipped it so many times. And you get to <laughs> it and you're like, I just want to get to home. Let's just do it. And then somebody's calling me has to play first and oh. <laughs> the worst anyway we'll get to that yeah later. yeah i don't own the vinyl for this one i do own um sound of silver on vinyl but i don't have this one i think the only dfa records uh albums that i own are all black dice records <laughs> black dice yeah. has just been on every record label it's true <laughs> um the uh yeah the uh the baseline was like really really familiar to me but i don't think i'd actually seen it or heard it for years and years uh, when I when I first listened to it, is it in like not like kind of indie movies, but is it but it, is it in a movie at any point in the two thousands? I don't know, maybe because like it just felt the... super super familiar. 
You're talking about the bass line after the drop or before the drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the drop. Yeah. I don't know, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't... Um, um, the only thing I can think of, like, just off the dome of James Murphy doing sounds for movies is that he did that one Ben Stiller movie, Greenberg, which was like yeah. a mumble, which was like a mumblecore movie. So I didn't see it because mumblecore <laughs> sucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the main thing I can think of. Um, I don't think I've even seen it. This song um, really gave me the feeling that um, we have possibly found the worst of genius. Like, the interpretations on these pages oh, are brutal. I, I have yet to actually read the uh, the Genius pages <laughs> for these, so let me just uh, load that one up real quick. Hmm. Let's so, talk, the, let's, let's, for example, uh, talking like a jerk except you are an actual jerk and living proof that sometimes friends are mean. Like, uh-huh. that's, like, very clearly, as a, as a face read, he's calling himself the jerk that is living proof that sometimes friends are mean. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's it's it's definitely like talking about the persona that he puts forth for the for the album being somewhat part of his actual persona. Here's what yeah, genius high fidelity wrote. of the person. Yeah, here's what genius wrote. Murphy is bashing the content slash meaning of most of the music we see on the top 100. Songs about oh sex, God. money, drugs. Artists make themselves seem like jerks. They may be actual jerks. People act a certain way in order to fill. To order to fit in, but eventually the acting becomes a real persona. These people, these friends act differently under different circumstances and eventually re- reveals what that friend is really like. First James of all, Murphy's projecting. calling people out for being fake on the first al- song of his album? Called no, the he's Saint. literally calling himself <laughs> fake. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, James you Murphy that screenshot, I didn't know without fake ass friends. I didn't actually see the lyrics when you posted the screenshot from Genius, so yeah. I didn't even know what song that was from. Oh, brother. I I think I I also called out that that's a a pretty significant dog whistle there. The whole thing about most of the music we see on the top 100 being about sex, money, and drugs. Yeah, as if, like, James Murphy doesn't, like, like rap music, which he does. (laughs) And, like, that's the the classic. um, You'll kind of see on Genius a lot lot of um, projecting onto white musicians that they actually hate rap music. Yeah, which is yeah. really funny. When, which is really funny when you consider, like, you know, what genius started as. Yeah, rap yeah. genius started as rap genius, and it's white devil sophistry. <laughs> which, yeah, classic line. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I, I don't hate the lyrics on this song. They are self indulgent, but I, yeah. I really think that it works for the for the character of the song. It's a, yeah, it's a sad party song. It should have sad party words. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's hard to relate to people when you're so up your own ass. I kind do of, love the line. Kind of what it gets uh, to. I, I do love the line. You're blowing Marxism to pieces. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's really kind of uh, the New York lifestyle, right there. Yeah, or like, yeah. I, don't, I I've never lived in New York, so but I can relate. So, do I yeah. live in New York? Does that mean I live in New York? I think that means you live in New York now. Okay. You live in New York, Scotland. <laughs> I I also just like the like it's really just easy wordplay, but just the various instances of accept and accept and accept and all that yeah. stuff near the start of the song, like present company accepted, present company accepted, present yeah. company expect it. Like it's just it's it's really easy wordplay, but it really works for me. Totally, yeah. and it like it it sounds nice in the song as well. It's like sing songy. I think so much of this record is really good because it's quite sing songy. 
Mm-hmm. No, he, he really goes for it. He doesn't. I mean, he does frequently um, go outside of his own range uh, as far as singing. Like whenever he tries to belt, you can tell he's really, really struggling. Yeah. But that kind of it kind of works with it. Doing the I, repetition I, of syllables like that kind of turns his voice into uh, into another instrument. Oh it, yeah, like it's it's not like he's just you know saying prose over the over the melody. It's like no, there's actual choice behind the sounds that he's choosing to put into the into the words. Yeah, and the rhythm of it too. Yeah, like if anything, he he understands how the rhythm of his songs work, and his lyrics have always worked around that in a way that that really. Uh, the, they're really accentuated by the the way he places the sounds around them, yeah. like both both his drum patterns and on the, like some of the later songs like one touch, uh, like the way he talks around like the synth wobbles. Yeah, like it's really it it, it works it works. I, I'm just gonna say it works a lot because really I don't fully <laughs> understand what he's doing, but I do like to hear it. I don't necessarily know exactly what he's doing at all times, but I do like to hear it. Yeah, are we ready to move on to drunk girls? We are ready to move on to Drunk Girls. Is this a uh, misguided frat anthem? Question mark. <laughs> um, I don't yeah, think, I think you could get so. away. I don't think you could get away with releasing this song in 2020. <laughs> no, yeah. it's just not gonna stand. And like, yeah, he he's apparently in an interview with Enemy. It's not really about girls. I'm not making fun of anybody, like drunk people or girls. It's a song about funny, funny genders. What the hell does that mean? And people being wasted and people who are drunk trying to relate to one another, which I always find deeply hilarious and predictable, even in myself. Uh, like, he does say both drunk girls and drunk boys throughout the song. So, like, mm-hmm. the only reason it's not called drunk people is that it doesn't fit a rhythm as well. Yeah. And it's not, like, in the hook. Yeah. But at the same time, um, he also has the line, drunk boys keep in pace with the pedophiles in, like, the first verse. And, yeah. like, you're saying it. I don't like to hear it. No. Like I, get, I don't I get want your, to hear I, it. I get your point, but I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear <laughs> I, the 40, now 50-year-old man saying this. Yeah, I remember there being a video for this. I haven't watched it in probably since it came out. Oh, I watched the video for this yesterday. It's very good still. Okay, good. Um, the thing about the, the, the music video for this song is the band, all they, they all sing in the music video, which I very like because I do like to hear Nancy singing. Um, mm-hmm. and they are, there's about, like, 15-odd people wearing, like, panda outfits who just terrorize them for the entire length <laughs> of the music video. Uh, like, blasting air horns in their faces, spraying them with tilly, silly string, literally tackling James Murphy into a mattress. Uh, That's extremely 2010 music video right there. Yeah, and then they also do very much, like, put James Murphy in a dress and wig and put lipstick on him. Oh, you know, funny. like a funny. Um, and then they duct tape everyone together. And pour trash uh-huh. on them. So, so it was very much like they all planned what they were going to do, but none of the band knew it was coming. Yeah, that that reminds me of another uh, video where trash gets thrown around quite a bit. True Thrush by Dan Deacon. Yeah, very good video. It immediately makes me think of um, Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt, the video for that by We Are Scientists. Where oh, man. It's like 
the band running away from one very large panda outfit that's chasing them around. It's maybe <laughs> not a panda, panda, panda outfits. It's like a mascot kind of thing, and it's got a baseball bat, and it chases the whole band. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the opening to that jackass movie, except instead of bulls chasing them, it's people in panda outfits. Yeah. <laughs> I live to see it. Yeah. The thing is, the thing is that drunk girls do wait an hour to pee. <laughs> That's true. He, he um, goes he goes for a note on that on that line. <laughs> he, he's, I love hit, it. he's hitting the highest falsetto for that one. Uh, I know, and like that's oh, I don't know. We'll get we'll get to the the pitchfork comments on somebody's calling me in a bit, but I just keep thinking about it, like saying that he's a good um, vocalist and like oh my god, they there's call almost him, like, a running a joke on this vocalist. album. <laughs> yeah, there's almost like a running joke on this album that he's not good at singing. He's or, very or, on every LCD Sound System album, there's a almost a running joke that he's not very good at singing. Like, oh yeah, but yeah, I think like, if James I, I think Murphy, other than that, uh, you go on. If James Murphy went on popular TV show The Voice, nobody would turn around. Oh no, they would just let <laughs> they would let him flounder. Yeah, he'd go on and sing "Heroes" by David Bowie, and no one would care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, like. Other than like the really bad line at the start, this is mostly just a people be like song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also and, I think, and, the and, shortest you know, some, one on the album. It is the shortest one. It's the only song below five minutes on the whole album. Oh god, it's about three forty-two or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's the exact length it needed to be. This song did not need to be a, a second longer. Whereas, Do you think like, it overstays I, its welcome? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think, think this that, couldn't um, have been a long song. I think no. that it builds itself effectively. And it leaves right when it needs to. And yeah. also just ending with the line, be honest with me, honestly, unless it hurts my feelings, is very funny. <laughs> of course, I didn't know what that line was for ages because he sings it in a falsetto poorly. Um, so it, t- it takes a while to actually like, kind of get that line um, if you're just listening along. And then it ends on a, oh, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, he has to, yeah. He has to put on that persona again. <laughs> Was this uh, yeah, th- this old. was sort of towards the end of the uh, the whole like people wearing uh, like face paint and headdresses to shows, right? Yeah, I think it was when that was on its way out, yeah. or start well, you know starting to be on its way out. People still do it now, but that's because people are terrible. Yes, yeah, but not everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't imagine it feeling appropriate to wear to an LCD sound system show. It's just not their vibe at all. Yeah, no, oh, I'm totally. sure people did though. Yeah, because it's like, obviously, I, I, I don't understand wanting to do it at all. But at the same time, I can understand where the vibe would lead someone to do it. And I could not get that from any part of LCD Sound Systems music. It could not be Absolutely any more. Not. It could be. It could not be any more. I live in a city. Yeah, yeah it's not there. There is literally no earthy elements to anything. <laughs> There's LCD nothing earthy do. about anything he's ever done. Yeah. Totally. The earthiest thing he has is like the synth tone on someone great. Because it sounds like a fart. (laughs) (laughs) Every song is recorded from an apartment that's 25 floors up. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know the last time I saw saw a building that tall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely not not where you live. (laughs) Not over here. We don't Um, have those here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we got uh, One Touch next. It's never enough. We've been patient for a long time. One touch 
one of the songs where he, like, you know, kind of puts on a persona a little bit. Yeah. Because he, he's definitely putting on a voice for the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the same voice as uh, from Get Innocuous, I think. Yep. The it's, kind of, it's very the similar. Kind of, it's like, very similar. I think uh, he's going deeper, Pretending though. to be a baritone voice. Yeah. I think he's going deeper on this one than he was on Get Innocuous. And, and I think it's just because uh, on Get Innocuous, he was more um, more reverbed. Oh, and yeah. This one just, yeah, it's, a lot, it's de- a lot punchier. There's definitely like a higher a higher harmony on Get Innocuous, too. Which, can I say, I think this is my favorite vocal style that James Murphy does. Um, yeah. It, it really works for his range, which is nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a range. Uh, yeah. It's basically setting a precedent for the rest of us who can't sing. Which mm-hmm. I love, yeah. I appreciate. Um, it's I also like, like vocalists. He... I, I like vocalists that aren't afraid to like change up what their voice sounds like through an entire song. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's a it's a good persona for him because it doesn't involve changing notes a lot within a line. Like it's da 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 da. Yeah. Like he's he's really just sticking it with the same notes. Uh, this one has like some of my favorite synth tones on the whole album. Yeah, is real cool. And the way the, that the filter uh, changes on that lead, like the the way the filter changes on that through the whole song is like really like yeah, which is like a club banger, really. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's like yeah, that's generally considered one of the the better pieces of his early work, right? Like that's that's one that's brought yeah. up a lot. You can hear him twiddling those dials. I think I think you, even you, the you, the Coke Machine Glow brings it up as like the best example of him making actual club music. Yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. that's that's where he, that's where it really it really shines through as opposed to like his kind of like I'm making a simulacrum of 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 dance club music that's kind of like self-aware about club culture, which is the, like the part that, you know, CMG kind of makes him th- sound like he's kind of up his own ass. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, I'm going to pop a beer one sec. Yeah, grip it and rip it. Pop a molly and get jolly in South Beach. <laughs> New York is but a dream to be now, said James Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> what would it sound like if James Murphy did a collaboration with Sufjan Stevens? Uh, um, it, they, it would... they both like weird synths. This is just they a do. fact. Is that they what just... Sylvan Esso is? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I'm not really that familiar with Sufjan Stevens, so maybe that's pejorative, but... Uh... Yeah. Sil- I, I don't think they sound like much essence. like Sylvanesso. No, um, I am trying to think of what would be the 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 closer equivalent to what a James Murphy and Sufjan Stevens would sound like. And I'm pretty sure it's just when Sufjan Stevens releases a synth album. Like I think Aporia yeah. is pretty close to what you'd get. Yeah. And Aporia Whips, mm. by the way, everyone should check it out if you were not wanting to check out the synth album he made with his stepdad. It actually does whip. So. Yeah, stepdads are good straight. sometimes. Stepdads are good sometimes. <laughs> Um, people who um, need people are just people who need people. People who need people do be like people who need people. <laughs> the thing about say. people who need people is that people who need people. Kermitnodding.gif. I do like that the, <laughs> um, the annotation for this says, a dual reference to both Depeche Mode's People Are People and the classic song People by Barbra Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just throw in common people because he says that, people uh, so commonly in the song? Yeah, yeah, those are some songs that have the word people in them. <laughs> yeah, the the latter has the line, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world, which is a very, I, I feel like that's just one of those ingrained in pop culture lines at this point, because it's been like, you know, remixed and reused by a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. AJJ's people who eat people are the luckiest people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I do no, like but, the song uh, People Are People. Can you just put a clip of People Are People in here because it whips? Yes. Me asking David if he's going to put a Depeche Mode clip in, as if I even need to ask. Yeah, the first thing that I did with Ableton was load up the samples from that song and play them through my MIDI controller. Hell yes. <laughs> it's cool if... sounds of metal hitting each other. We yeah. love it. Yep. Hey, hey, the uh, the Pitchfork review doesn't mention One Touch. This yeah, happens a lot. They They will sometimes just completely forget a song exists within the review. Yeah. And I, it's always like... It seems to happen to whatever song I wanted to hear them talk about the most. Yeah. It just seems really weird to rate an album this high and not talk about every part of it. Well, also, I, I think there's maybe a couple of songs that they've missed out on, but they did spend the time talking about the worst LCD sound system song. Somebody's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get there. We will. Yeah, we'll get there. Sorry. Oh, my God. I just... I'm, I'm still carrying all all, the, all of that. Yeah. Me, and the burden was... It's crushing. Um, yeah, I think there's like I don't I like the the vocals in this song, but the kind of yeah the Depeche Mode type. Uh, I think it's quite sort of British synth poppy at times. One touch, mm-hmm. but like it's yeah. not necessarily a, a look that I love on LCD Sound System. Like it's a great song, but I'm glad they don't do more of those. Yeah, I can see that. Like I don't I wouldn't want to hear him do a whole album of this, but I think it's yeah. um I I think it's a pretty good bridge. Between Drunk Girls and All I Want, which could not possibly exist next to each other. Yeah, do you want to get to All I Want now? (laughs) We can get to All I Want. We can be heroes. Just for one day. How did he get away with not putting Bowie or Brian Eno as a writer on this track? (laughs) Like, it's the same song. Yeah. It's just got like a punchier, it's just got like a punchier kick drum and that's about it. Like, it it literally sounds like he was trying to like emulate the specific guitar and synth tones. Like, not even, not even just like making a similar like driving synth tone because like the the synth tone is just like a pretty persistent note that goes up and down right like he's just using like an oscillator or something for that yeah it's a, it ju- yeah it just has like a modular synth sort of just been messed around with it's like and like that that holds pretty consistently throughout the whole song um yeah. which i actually thought was really cool um yeah. i really do like a modular synth noise like where it's like no one's pressing a key. This is ju- I'm just going to turn a knob to make this sound happen. Well, I I love the sound of this song. Like I don't I am not really a big Bowie fan, so like the the heroes thing, like it. I mean, it registers because then I hear heroes and I'm like, oh yeah, oh man. <laughs> James, heard the I, can't album, he, uh... I can't believe Brian Eno ripped off James Murphy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Have you ever heard the album uh, "Here Come the Warm Jets" by Brian Eno? No. That 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 kind of um like 
one uh, synth mo- modular synth note uh, carrying through the entire song is a thing oh, that's kind of all over that album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll maybe check that out. Yeah, Br- Brian Eno's solo stuff is all very good. Yeah, that was There's when he was so still in his glam so. rock phase before he went ambience with uh, the yeah. music for airports and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, I kind of like. I almost wish he didn't bury his vocals as much as he does on this. And I say this like knowing full well that I recognize him as not a great vocalist. Yeah. Um, he like he he really buries it. You could barely hear the first the first verse on this song. You think that's because he's spooked about being sincere? No, because he's done like, he's, he's done sincere songs. Yeah, like like someone great. He's like right up front, pretty much. Although that yeah. song was that song was created in full without lyrics, and then he added the lyrics later. So that could that could be a part of it. Because like someone great was part of forty five thirty three, the running mix he made for Nike or Adidas. I yeah. can't remember which. Nike, I think. Um, but yeah, like, what were we saying? Yeah, the vocals are like really nice. It's like the nicest LCD sound system vocals. Mm-hmm. He um, yeah. he definitely he puts in a couple of harmonies with himself. Like he yeah. he puts in a couple of just like low passes, uhs, yeah, like along with his uh, his vocals, and then and there's also the ah, ooh, la, 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 ah, ooh, la, la. <laughs> yeah, no, I really do like that. Um, Love that. I, I think that's all him too. Do you think he, does, yeah, he, like he, he doesn't to, have anyone uh, else? He doesn't have anyone else listed as vocals in the in the credits for this one. So I think that yeah, that is yeah. all him doing that one. Do you think this was him trying to make a follow up like directly to All My Friends? He's either doing yeah. It, it does sound like he's doing it All My Friends. This is a ve- a different. Mm. Um, it's like a it's a different pathology to that one because that one's almost like as we age we grow apart and like you know it's like the inevitable passing of time kind of thing. And this yeah. one's yeah. this one's more like. When you suck, you grow apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause, like, this, this whole song is about a guy who sucks, like, so bad. And I think also it's got quite a lot more in common with Great Release than it does with All My Friends. I guess that the, the, the driving piano is really, really like All My Friends, but I think in terms mm-hmm. of, like, the other stuff and the, and the sounds of the song, it is quite like Great Release. Yeah, but, like, I can almost understand, like, this is definitely one of the best songs on the album, both sonically and, like, in the way it's presented. But at the same time, like, when I read the chorus, now all I want is your pity, or all I want is your bitter tears. Like, I want to give him a fucking wedgie. (laughs) (laughs) This is the song about how he's the guy who sucks and he's got depression. He's the guy who sucks, plus he's got depression. He's having trouble biting the whole way through a piece of toast. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, from now on, I'm someone different because it's no fun to be predictably lame. From now on, let's do it different because I just want what I want. Take me home. So, like, you know, he has that, like, weird, like, almost, like, reflection of growth just, like, buried at the end of the song beneath, like, 800 layers of synth. Um, Which actually does make it a very good transition to the next track. Which is... The next track is I Can Change. I was like trying to think. I was on the spot. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to. I was trying to prompt David to do that one, but then he didn't, so I did it. Yeah, I was also trying to remember. So that's I, why I, I just have. Playing. I have all. The, I have all the windows open, so I just looked at my next tab. Yeah, 
I can change. Um, do 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 pew 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 do 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 do. Like this was uh, like the biggest hit from the album, right? This one yeah, did the best. Yeah, it had to have been this one. I think yeah, I think this is the kind of the kind of song that the passing like someone who was really into music in 2011 will have heard this track. Oh yeah, I think also just kills live because yeah, I mean most live. of most of their songs kill live. They, they it's. I, I saw them on the, um, they did like, you know, a couple of reunion shows before they said that they were getting back together proper. Um, uh-huh. and they played a festival in like, just like an hour and a bit north of Toronto, like in basically like a campground is where they hold this yeah. festival. Um, and I managed to get to like the, the barrier. So like I was right up front and yeah, no, everything, everything kind of whips live, but the ones that you can really, um, Really sing along with with the chorus are always really good. Yeah, this one's, re- can, this one's real easy. Throw your arms behind you and like sing it. I think it's always yeah. a good chorus. And, and then of course any this. any of the songs with the drop, so you can just go ape shit. Throw yeah. your arms behind you, kind of like Naruto. Yeah, yeah, just like a Naruto jump. <laughs> oh, I think that's my this song might have my favorite synth sound on the whole album. The like the big sort of pad that goes behind the chorus, just the big oh, chord. Yeah. I love the sound of that. Do 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 do. Do 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 Yeah, like the, everything really sounds like... so good on this. Everything sounds really good on this song, <laughs> which like we really can't overstate. Like he is a very very good producer. Well, there's there's not a single synth sound on any LCD album that really sounds not right. Yeah, no, he he it, even if he's like playing it like weirdly out of tune, like he's making it work some other way. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, he's, he's tuning something else to complement it, or, like, it's meant to be dissonant, and you can tell that. Like, it's, everything's very deliberate. Well, because there's also, like, a, there's a little synthy kind of stabby bass that goes behind the verses as well, just, like, it's yeah. on, like, every, like, eighth note. And it sounds great. Like, it it could have probably carried the song if you'd taken out two or three of the other synth sounds. <laughs> like, it's so, it's such a nice, like, popcorn synth. It's great. Mm-hmm. Such a good song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I feel like we haven't really gotten into the lyrics much, so now I'm just, like, looking at the lyric sheet, looking for anything that's calling out to me. Love is a murderer is such a... This is, like... It's a line that's evocative, gets the people going. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the same time, it's stupid. <laughs> like, it's such a 40-year-old man line to write. Yeah, when there I went to time. see them, there was a lot of 40-year-old men who were, like, really, really leaning to the chorus in this song. Yeah, well, there, there was a time when all on his mind was love. Now he now he finds that most of the time love's not enough in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, it's very much like I can change. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I swear. I'll do it. I'll change. D- dare me. Dare me to do it. <laughs> dare me to change. I'll do it. You have, you have to dare me. <laughs> I won't do it if you don't dare me. <laughs> and really, like the whole latter half of the song is just the chorus repeating, but it works. Yeah, my cat. Maybe that's just your love of fights. Before, <laughs> maybe it's just your love of fight. But that's also just one of his like. There's love in your eyes, love in your eyes, love in your eyes. But maybe that's just your love of fights, and it's just very much like. I'm just gonna reuse the syllables and make it make it just a little different, just a, like a little with a little twist. I'll put a little twist on it. <laughs> someone, It'll be a someone naughty was caprice. Him, someone was asking him to do a hit, and that's what the next song is about. That is what the next song is about. You wanted a hit. You wanted a hit. But maybe we don't do hits. 
I try and try, it ends up feeling kind of wrong. You wanted it tough, but is it ever tough enough? No, nothing's ever tough enough until we hit the road. <laughs> but maybe we don't do hits. God, this is, this, that is the longest one on the album, huh? I think I think it's the best one. I think this is my favorite track on the album. I think. You know, I feel the I feel almost the opposite. It's oh, yeah. really it's, I really like the way it sounds. Yeah. But just the lyrical content doesn't do it for me. It it is like a little bit weird in terms of rhythmically uh speaking, the way the, the lyrics go. Like the line, you wanted it lush, but honestly you must hush. I love the way I love the way it kinda of, the, the lyrics bounce around on this, like um and he's like really going with the uh, the rhythms of that synth in the background. Yeah, but he 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 almost like switches up his flow. <laughs> Not don't put that in the podcast. But um, he like <laughs> well, especially like it's it's a killer live you wanted to hit, and um, the way he he changes, he sort of does the same delivery of he sort of switches the delivery of certain lines around. So like. He kind of emphasizes stuff in the same kind of order, but on different lines, and it works really, really well live. Because uh, the um, what's the point in it? I really like the song was stuck in my head for freaking ages afterwards after I saw them live, just because he was like, "Tell me what's the point in it," like that, and it cracked me up. And then I like that's the only way I can sing the song now. But I think like <laughs> that, that that's one of the the big reasons I love this album and just LCD Sound System is that like. You can really, really, really sing along to loads of these songs in a really silly voice. Yeah, that and makes I love sense. That. What I don't like is that this song almost just seems to be built for like the Pitchfork audience to like. In that <laughs> it's like it's against the popular music industry. So you wanted a hit, but that's not what we do, bro. <laughs> And like yeah, it's, it's it's just it, it I, I'm not gonna write to you have, a love song. I feel like he's he's definitely being sarcastic on the song, but I don't think one it comes through in the way that he intends it to, and two yeah. I don't think that's the way any reviewer took it. For some reason, my M, my M4A file of this uh, is just tagged with the title "Hit." <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know like, that. <laughs> you, <laughs> that that's how you know you got that one from the from the leak. Yeah, for sure. You just never that was probably it. the working title of it. Well, yeah, they, they made a hit, um, but then he didn't want to make hits, so he called it "You Wanted a Hit," but unfortunately, yeah. it was a hit. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Like they didn't. They everything. didn't release this one as a single. Um. Yeah. The because uh, because like what the I get I guess the intended message of the song is like we've never done big songs like we we the fact that our songs were on the radio doesn't necessarily mean that we were a hit band in the first place. But what it comes across as is like, fuck off. We won't make you a hit. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. As if like he hasn't been running his own record label the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who is he talking to? Who is he talking about? (laughs) He's fucking putting it out himself. Yeah. And he always, the weird thing is he introduces it. (laughs) Do you think LCD sound system is an album band? Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I can listen to some of these songs by themselves, but most of the time when one of the songs finishes, I want to hear the next one. Yeah. Totally. totally. W- with some exceptions. Um, 
<laughs> I just want to read the, the first annotation here. Uh, vocalist James Murphy takes on the demands of the record industry who constantly want their artists to produce number one hits because as we all know, number one hits make the record companies money. Um, really? Thus, Do they? Th- thus, out of principle, Murphy doesn't write hits for the sake of writing a hit. Writing a song in this <laughs> way feels manufactured and disingenuous. Murphy referred to the music industry and this way of thinking as Marxism in Dance Yourself Clean. Ah. Did he? This motherfucker talking cultural Marxism in the comments. You wanted a hit, but let me take my time on it. Please, record industry, white collar guys. I can't believe Jordan I can't believe Jordan Peterson wrote this annotation. I can't believe it. Tuning Fork is a podcast. God, I wish that uh Jordan Peterson voice synth still worked. Yeah. That was my best impression of it. Yeah. I did at that least manage to get him. I did manage to get him to say Henry Kissinger's Pokemon going to die before they shut it down, so that's what's really important. Henry Kissinger is Pokemon going to die. Yeah, that is the exact rhythm he says it in. <laughs> Pokemon. I had to I had to trick him into saying Pokemon, but you know. Yeah. Jordan Jordan Pokemon. Jordan be Pokemon. All the Pitchfork has review has to say about you wanted a hit is that it is music about writing music. Uh <laughs> Music right. about music is just music about music. <laughs> God, he... Murphy's vast perspective and all-knowing Mayan? I don't know that word. Are invaluable assets to his success. Raised in, Recorded in LA instead of his hometown, this is happening, finds the unlikely rock star zooming out even further in search of the realness and truth mentioned on the album's music about writing music track you wanted ahead. Like, did... <laughs> did you listen to the <clears throat> album? Does Pitchfork actually think James Murphy is a rock star? Hmm. A rock star? Like, I, like he, he sold out Madison Square Garden, but, you know, that's about the only credo he has to that point. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they understand what rock star means. Like, LCD yeah. Simpsons were never, like, a huge band. The thing is, um, I almost understand that from, like, a Pitchfork music kind of person's bubble. Um, yeah. Like, for example... When Arcade Fire won their Grammy, people were like, who the fuck is Arcade Fire? And right, I yeah. literally cannot imagine not knowing who Arcade Fire is. Like, it, it, yeah, 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 it yeah, just yeah, does yeah. not make sense to me, not knowing who Arcade Fire is. But let, yet, like, the vast majority of the world has no fucking idea who Arcade Fire is. Even a couple now, of years yeah. ago, a couple of years ago, I was in work, and I was speaking to a girl the same age as me, and I was like, she was like, oh, what kind of music do you like? And I said, Kanye West, and she went, who's that? So this was in like 2013 <laughs> or 14 that she asked me who Kanye West is, and it fucking blew my mind. Yeah. It was so good. That makes even less sense. I know. It's st- I'm still amazed of- by it now. How do you not like? It's incredible. Even in 2014, he was like on tabloid covers. You literally would just see him walking in through the grocery store because <laughs> he's constantly on tabloid covers with some secret expose about how he was gay the whole time. You know, as tabloids right. do. So the, only, the, only on reason to... I, the only reason I know the names of most of the royal family is because of tabloid covers. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lord knows I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> pow, Shall pow. we move on to Pow Pow? Yeah. We're on to Pow Pow. And you being alright. There's advantages to each. From this perspective, from this position, I have a good grip on both of them.
this is the one that I keep coming back to whenever I listen to this album, just because of how ridiculous it is. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing that you listen to it, and it's like, how are you taking James Murphy seriously when he's not taking James Murphy seriously? (laughs) Right. Like, this this is probably the most fun that he's letting himself have on the entire album. Yeah, well, it's with the whole, like, from this position framing that he puts the whole album through. And mm-hmm. it's, like, very much, like, from this position as a, you know, well-off white male music producer in America. White and male. There's advantages to both. <laughs> advantages to both. <laughs> yeah, this has the, the best LCD sound system gang vocals. Yeah. OAT. The thing is that... Any track that Nancy Wang is shouting on, I like. <laughs> true, 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 true. She's That's good at it. What I mean. She's very it's, good at it. Yeah. The best who have ever have done it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this is the one that uh, uh, the Coke Machine Glow review says is basically just a Talking Heads song. <laughs> He's doing and his Talking Heads voice. Yeah, like, <laughs> this, this totally would make sense as a song on Remain in Light. Oh yeah, for sure. Because that album is just all, like, looped instrumentation with, uh, like, rambling and rhythmic speaking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it really just... Let me just, like, pop open the Pitchfork review real quick. Um, I accidentally closed it. Let's pop, pop that baby wide open. Buss it wide open. Uh, and just, like, do a quick search. Um, no, there is no mention of Talking Heads in this entire review. Wow. <laughs> How does this happen? The only David mentioned is Bowie. I really think they must have literally just listened to all I want and went, man, this guy's like David <laughs> Bowie? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the Coke Machine Glow review now. Uh, when the, the single Pow Pow was released, let me tell you, let me tell me your first thought wasn't this sounds like Talking Heads, and if we're even being more nuanced, this sounds like Talking Heads mixed with Lizzie Mercier de Clue with some overly gothic vocal runs and some ESG on the low end. And yeah, no, pretty much. Um, ESG is not a cultural touchstone that I would have understood any time before last year, uh, yeah. because they, they just started playing shows again, basically. And I saw them in like my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario, town of 165,000 and ESG, like a f- forefront, like, uh, basically like dance punk in the seventies. Like their yeah. song, their song yeah. UFO is one of the most sampled tracks in history, like rivaling the amen break with the amount of like people who have used its drum sample. And that's or basically genius like, of love, or genius of love. Yeah, like they, um, and they're they they are clearly like such a big influence on like LCD sound system in this album in particular, and also just the way this song sounds. Yeah, just like just the way that the they they are over the over their rhythms is basically the same way he constructs these kind of songs. The thing <laughs> and about I, yeah. this, the thing about the time period in which this album came out is that we have a black president, and you do not. So shut up, God. <laughs> and how'd that turn out? And and how was but is it? that is that is that not in that like in that voice of like kind of snotty New Yorker? I I always took that as to be. I mean, with with James Murphy, like so many like forty year old white men, it kind of it's like the level of irony that you're prepared to work on with them sometimes makes a huge difference. But like, yeah, I definitely read that as like a oh yeah no he's doing it in his snotty snob <laughs> voice. That's how he's do- doing this yeah. whole song, and it's just like yeah. basically how tolerant are you of that shtick at this point? Yeah, I think he kind of grandfathered his way in, and that if anyone yeah. else were to release a song like this now, I would fucking hate it. It's hey like- James Murphy, what's your favorite Daft Punk album? <laughs> discovery, 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 discovery. discovery. <laughs> 
but like, it's like the second Daft Punk record. <laughs> Discovery. It's every time that someone of his ilk, of a like you know, white male forty something, is putting out an album of like irony tinged shit. I'm just like, I don't have fucking time for this. I don't have the energy yeah. for your fucking bullshit. Like Mark Kozilek can suck my dick. I was gonna <laughs> kill Moon reference. Yeah, and then like oh, you know, God. like I. I I just I can't take it at all but I think the fact that he puts on a voice for it for one and two the fact that it's not the whole album also really helps mm. Tron Legacy Tron Legacy Tron Legacy but uh, <laughs> um, here, here's, here's another line from the uh, from the Coke Machine review, uh, Coke Machine Glow review which was written by Mark Abraham which uh, we didn't say earlier like, I don't actually think James Murphy is a dick. I think he's obscenely self-aware that he has a dick, and as is the male-dominated music media types that love him. But mostly I'd suggest that the problem isn't dickishness so much as that he's kind of hilariously hamstrung by being granted this weird guruish position by Pitchfork and other media outlets to playfully explore concepts of hipness and irony and aging masculinity and whatever else has become his current bugaboo, as if he has total authority on the subject. And I, I think that that's really, it kind of rings true just with the, with the way that Pitchfork wrote about this album as if he's some kind of like fucking messiah. And he, you know, starts this song out prefacing every line with from this position. Like, yeah. He's fully aware of the kind of ridiculous status he's granted and is playful with it in a way that I feel like manages to like straddle the line between, you know, dickishness and just like overwroughtness like really, really well. And I, I think it. I think it works. I think he. I think he manages to make it work. Yeah, Pitchfork was kind of like projecting themselves onto LCD Sound System. I think. Oh yeah, like, for sure. Turning them yeah. into Pitchfork the band. <laughs> like we're we're, we're like, uh, objective satirists of hipster culture. <laughs> another another line from the from this from later in the same paragraph. Um, let me just try to find the start of the line there. Does make him kind of a dick, but also kind of an unwitting dick. At some point, playing it, having a Maxim worldview and ha- and having a Maxim worldview melt into one another, and I can't tell the difference, and I especially can't tell the difference with Murphy because, again, he is bad at writing lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like almost he he only he makes his own positions unclear with the fact that he is incapable of writing any nuance, um, which is what yeah. makes his sin- it makes his sincere <laughs> songs really good, um, but it also makes his like you know his hip cool songs like really really you very have to just kind of read into his mindset and sometimes people will project things onto that mindset i'm only 30 years old you'll have to explain to me what maxim is (laughs) it's a magazine what got titties in it oh okay but covered titties no exposed titties in this one dang i thought i'd see (laughs) i thought i'd see a boob today god damn (laughs) i once saw a boob and thrice a pair (laughs) <laughs> I lived a good life uh, Somebody's calling me is, is it time for that one? Hang I think up. it might be time for that one Hang <laughs> up um, I hate it I'm having trouble. About it. I'm having trouble even summoning the way this song sounds in my head right now. And I listened to this album like three times the other day and once yesterday. 
It's like, uh, the, somebody's calling me to be my girl. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. He's like Said, those... One, two, he's three, like take my hand and come with me. <laughs> <laughs> so would, would so you say that you're... Somebody's calling me. Would you, would you say that this your review of this song is a monkey peeing into his own mouth? <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes. 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 Yeah, but like... It I, does kind of sound like Neil Young, though. <laughs> Somebody's calling me. Like what is what's the affect he's going for on this one? Like what what's he know. going for? Because it, it doesn't land. Whatever it is, it does oh, sound man, a little I, bit Iggy Pop. It does sound a bit yeah. like Iggy Pop. Okay, I could see that. I could see that that being like the angle he's going for. Like he does basically worship at the altar of like sixties and seventies punk. Yeah, yeah. When he's not worshiping at the altar of the uh, like the the dancier elements of the same era. Right, um, some fucking sucks. Dude. Like, it, it sucks. Actually, all the sounds on this are bad. The synths are bad. The vocoded thing is bad. The guitars sound terrible. The piano, like the honky tonk piano, is hideous. I pointed. This Why do out I hate earlier. this song so much? <laughs> I pointed this out earlier, but uh, if you've ever heard this song, uh, "Rocky Mountain Way" by Joe Walsh, uh, formerly of the Eagles, um, which was like. Uh, a 70s hard rock song uh this almost has the exact same riff in it i'll have to like oh put God. those next to each other see i'm not familiar yeah, with that song too, yeah I'm not familiar with that song because I'm not a dad currently barbecuing. Um, I do have a beer in my hand at the current time, so I'm like trying to channel it, but I can't do if it. If you if you turn on a grill and have a beer in your hand, you'll remember the song. Yeah, it'll just it'll it'll just <laughs> flick right in there. Uh, I want you to just look at the uh, the second annotation on Genius uh, for "But my hands don't work; they're more like feet." Hmm. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the image. I'm just gonna post it in uh, in 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 the Discord. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. <laughs> oh man, this is the first good annotation I've seen this whole time. <laughs> this is what this song sounds like. Because yeah, like <laughs> the whole th- this song has like the least annotations of the whole thing, and it is a lot of people just projecting their relationship anxieties onto James Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> like people really, really want to project themselves onto his lyrics, which like, why would you? Yeah, they're, I don't want to be in that space. <laughs> well, exactly. Like they're not like. No point has he written a lyric that you should aspire to in any way, nor should you relate to any of it. <laughs> if you do, then please see a therapist. Please. You, you cannot <laughs> and should not take cues from James Murphy. At you any shouldn't. Time. <clears throat> unless unless the cue that you're taking is to have Nancy on the keys, in which case you need to listen to that urge. You gotta yeah. get Nancy on the keys. There's a great bit in American Dream in um other voices where he goes, Tell him Nancy and then Nancy has like her own like vocal bit. It's great. Does she actually she, like have her own she lines? Tells him. I don't remember. It's awesome, yeah. It's 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 like the one McLean, it's like really, really cool vocal. That's good. I, I do like to I need to listen to more of the one McLean, because I know she's on a lot of it. They're great. It's not like the kind of genre of music that I can spend ages on. Yeah. They're a bit like Holy Ghost. But I do like if I'm in a if I'm in the mood for something like that, it is great. 
Holy Ghost is another one in like this in this area that I can I can have a lot of fun with sometimes. And then also they yeah. have a they they also just you know have a song about one of their band members dying, and it's one of their best songs, um, which makes oh. me really sad to think about. Yeah, but I didn't know that. Yeah, Jam for Jerry, and it gets from their their second or third album. I don't remember which one, but uh, 2011. Very sad because he was also um, I think he'd been like a, a touring member with LCD Sound System before. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, that whole scene are all just friends that play music together. Because yeah. they, they, they're they a DFA band, of course. So, you know, same area. Well, they so sound like a DFA band that... Who's what? It's kind of on a vote. They so sound like a DFA band. like you Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, there, there's something that happens when James Murphy's on the boards, and it's you'll sound like a DFA band. It just happens. Yeah. Or, or your free energy. Yeah. <laughs> Free Energy just sounds like they he passed some seventies rock through a tape machine, and that, that's basically it. Doesn't sound like anything else on the label. <laughs> this is all we've got tonight. Okay, God. so can we finally move on from somebody calling us? Yeah, I would. I would prefer if nobody was calling me, and we went home okay. instead. We should go home. Like nothing will last. You might forget. Forget the sound of our voice Still you should not forget, yet don't forget The things that we laughed about track i simply love this track um, it's simply a good track yeah uh it's sincere so tick on that it's yeah nice sounds so it's got a tick on that coke machine glow says uh the uh the moments of instrumental clarity that emerge from the saccharine sentiments of home remind me why i do believe my above assertion that murphy is an important figure in music when he gets a good idea he knows how to build it into a frenetic rush of sound yeah. 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 Basically, like he's like the the Coke machine glow can very much boil down to um, he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't. Sorry, he knows how to do it, but he doesn't necessarily know what he's doing. Yeah. So like when he has when he has the good idea, he does it very well. Um, and when he doesn't have a very yeah, when he doesn't to when he doesn't have a good idea, song, he will still do it well. Yeah. Compared to the previous song, he 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 definitely had a better inkling with this one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, actually, he said he didn't even remember recording Somebody's Calling Me. That's crazy. I, well, I was just about to say, if LCD Census had stayed broken up, their last two songs they ever released would have been Somebody's Calling Me and Home. God. <laughs> Which is like, what a, what a damning result at the end. Like, to have all these like absolutely incredible songs and then the last two songs on your last, inverted commas, album. Uh or like one is really the suck like really just sucks and then the other one is hope which is like i guess yeah a good distillation but also yeah, like it it works i as feel a, like he had to break one. the band up after writing that song because he was like man when we play this on our final show it'll all be worth it because yeah, like can I, it's great i just want to take a moment i want to take a moment um i'm looking at the set list for shut up and play the hits right now let's just talk about this last run of songs yeah, yeah outro Someone Great, Losing My Edge, Home, All I Want, the Harry Nielsen cover, Jump Into the Fire, and New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. 
That is an insane run of songs. Yeah, it kind of is all over the place. Yeah, but like it, that that is a that is a good set of songs. Yeah, he's generally pretty good at ending albums. I think. Yeah, like great great release. New York, I love you, and uh, and well, home are yeah. all ba- are all very very good closing tracks. Uh, I think the last track on American Dream sucks. Let me just check. I think it's the really really long one, Black Screen, which is not a good song. Um, yeah, Black Screen's like ten minutes, and it's like mostly like ambient since It's terrible. Well, it's a terrible. Oh, it's well, that's fine. a shame. So they they had it good for the original run, but not not as much for the yeah. comeback. Yeah. I'm. I still. Really... I still can't believe that this Pitchfork review says he has good vocals. It's... <laughs> How does it happen? What is he thinking? Who did it? Uh, it was Ryan yeah. Dumball. Like there's there was a number of you know bands around this time where the where where the vocalist wasn't technically good but still was good at performance. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it just comes down to like him being a shitty vocalist and a shitty lyricist, but very good at writing choruses and really good at writing hooks. Yeah. Oh yeah, he knows what he's doing on the keys. That's for sure. <laughs> my 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 first thought and like. I almost feel bad saying it, but like I I love listening to music by Julian Coster, but like the only thing that carries him through is his sincerity and not his voice. Yeah. <laughs> he I'm, I'm he, sorry, Julian, if you're a tuning fork fan, but you know, there it is. <laughs> he knows how to he knows how to write him. I'll give him that. <laughs> Julian, please come on the show. Please come on the show. We'll talk about they might be giants, even though Pitchfork hates them. Pitchfork does hate them, and it's depressing. And they don't even hate them enough to make a good re- to make a good like uh, like a good low review. a low score review. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's you know all what? Like fives. What did they What did they give Mink Car? I'm pretty sure it was very low. It was probably pretty low. They gave it a two point eight. Okay, ah, duly noted. Crossover, crossover. <laughs> <laughs> We're still a couple albums from there on uh, on Giants confirmed, but we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. have to recover from uh, your, like, eight-hour factory showroom episode. Yeah. Gotta love going for more than two hours. Yeah. Ending ending the album with And So Good Night also just kind of works. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. An, it's a nice little cap. I'm glad that you play also, clips below this, because like, I, I almost feel like I don't have anything to say about this, but it's just like, you gotta listen to the song. Um, I think, like, the fact that I got into this in, like, my mid- or, like, my kind of- I guess my early 20s, um, and- the the song is kind of the like the kind of centerpiece lyric is forget the terrible year or forget a terrible year. It's like yeah. unfortunately that has been the most apl- applicable song to the end of every year since I started listening to that <laughs> album. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's just like a real uh, it's a re- supremely cathartic song for me. I just like mm-hmm. I love it. And like when I went to see LCD Sound System, it was like at the end of like the worst year of my life and. Although I did, someone tried to st- uh, start a fight with me while uh, "How Do You Sleep" was on, which is really funny. And then "Home" was like a re- like a re- just like exactly what I needed to be doing and hearing at that time. It was great. It was like a very good way of forgetting a terrible year, essentially. So mission accomplished, Mister Murphy. We did it. Yeah, I know. I've been like kind of ragging on the the aging music critics for the way that they've you know projected themselves onto James Murphy. But I, I do think it's something, it, it does say something about, like, the evocativeness of his lyrics that, like, as a 16-year-old listening to, like, All My Friends, I was able to relate to things that are clearly written by and for a man in his late 30s. Well, yeah, like, 
exactly. Like, it's weird how much I've always felt like it's applied to my life. Like, yeah, when I heard, like, I heard all my friends where, like, I got really into it at the end of my first year uni and my friend had just got his car through from home. So we were, like, driving around Glasgow for the first time in the sun and it was, like, it was me and all my friends. So it was just, like, applicable. But then, yeah, the, the, the more... I've listened to them and the kind of the different readings that I've ended up having on all the albums. Like, it's funny how I'm like, yeah, well, I can relate to all these things too, James. Just like on every album, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh but my god, yeah, I am losing my edge, aged like <laughs> seventeen. God, <laughs> it does like one thing that does remind me of it. It's just like people who don't care for LCD sound system are often just you know people who will listen to the lyrics and it's like, <clears> okay, <throat> I get what you're going for, but it's just like this. If it's unrelatable, I can feel like it's just not working for you at all. I'm totally. going to copy paste uh, so much a specific way. I- I'm going to copy paste real quick uh, a review of this album by the dean of American rock critics Robert Christgau. Oh, good. It's it's a paragraph long, so there's not too much to dig into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the other things I was going to say is like I think kind of sometimes the voice of LCD Sound System is sort of like the kind of um, the kind of things that like you, you hear in your internal voice and then you think to yourself like, oh, that is the most trite thing I've ever thought in my life. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so, so, Some LCD sound system lyrics sound like just sort of giving voice to like really, really unhelpful, but also unharmful, intrusive thoughts. Yeah, this really, MF really just like... says them out loud. Exactly, yeah. And I, I Like, he is a shitty lyricist, but like, so am I. <laughs> so I'm like, let's see this paragraph. He he gave this one an A minus, uh, as as did he the same month to uh, High Violet by the National. He didn't give it a scissors. He didn't give it a scissors. <laughs> I'm not sure if he still was at this point. Uh, this is when he was writing for MSN Music. Oh my God, which was a thing. He reaccesses the humanist side inside him as if that's every interest <laughs> right. That's great. Yeah. Cynicism always has yuck potential. Is also just a very funny line in a music review. Yes. <laughs> he. Chris Gale really has a way with words. I'll give him that much. Yeah. That's why he's the dean. That's why he's the dean. Um, I mean, that's album. It's only nine tracks. It's nine tracks that come in over an hour, but it's nonetheless only nine tracks. I think my favorite moment on the album might be One Touch, just because the sound of it is so good. Yeah. That, that, that I think, one's the, I clo- think one that touch one's the club banger me. for me. Yeah, for sure. Like, if, if One Touch comes on with Shuffle... It's a never skip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably, well, this whole album almost is. Most, most of this album I, I would call a never Yeah. Most of it I'd call uh, a not skip. Because like, even like Drunk Girls has some <laughs> some pretty cringy lyrics. Like James Murphy did very much post-cringe uh, with that one. but <laughs> He did not lose subscriber, though. He didn't lose subscriber at all. <laughs> well, it was before it was before there was uh, Pitchfork reduced uh, deducted points for posting cringe, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now they yeah, just make that, cringe what, compilations daily. That that's why the that's why the Gex album didn't get best new music. It's because they posted cringe. <laughs> they did post cringe though. Um, um, yeah, I my my high points are always going to be the uh, the the like the sincere like James Murphy bad lyrics <clears throat> but good emotion songs. So like you know I can change and uh, dance yourself clean are my uh, are my highlights of the album for sure. I can have some yeah. fun with Pow Pow, but there is a certain point where I become tired of LCD Sound System, James Murphy, the character. Um, okay. And it doesn't quite sustain me through all eight minutes of the track. 
Okay, so I don't really do like one favorite song from albums. My thing is, uh, I, everything comes in threes. There's always three, a really yeah. strong succession of three, uh, and it has to be one touch. All I want, I can change. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's like an that's a pretty unimpeachable run of songs there. Because because you you could do I can change you wanted to hit power power, but that's two really totally different songs that I can change. You could do dance yourself clean. Drunk Girls One Touch, but that's weird too for some reason. I think that's too much. There's too much in that. Yeah. Whereas all I want, I can change in One Touch is like really nice peaks. It's pretty wild because like, the, oh. um, the 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 good run of three songs on Sound of Sulfur is also tracks three to five. North American Scum, Someone Great, All My Friends. Oh, mm-hmm. I wonder what first record's one is. Let me see. So three three to five on the first record is tribulations movement and never as tired as when I'm waking up. So not nothing nothing uh, yeah, quite nah, as strong. Nah. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sec- hold the out. Second worst LCD sound system song. Yeah, Do- doesn't there, hold. There's a there's a dance party that happens um, you know during the normal times uh, at a local Minneapolis club called First Avenue here that is entitled Too Much Love. Um, in reference to right. that uh, song on the first LCD record, so yeah, again, like p- people are are really fond of uh, of this guy and what he does. Well, yeah. like uh, it it kind of bums me out because also I kind of get offered a bit of a vision by LCD Sound System of like what a, a nightclub I would really like to go to would sound like. I mean, maybe that's yeah. I mean that's super trite, but like uh, I would like. It's 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 hard in this day and age in Scotland to find nights that are like around dance punk or like I mean people don't really look that fondly on rock music from the two thousands if it's not Arctic Monkeys no. or like the Killers <laughs> sort of thing here so there's not really the market for it but yeah Me- just, to. just keeps topping the, tur- the charts. Meanwhile the uh, the Oshawa Music Club downtown here has a emo night once a month where they just play <laughs> emo and you have fun yeah and don't post cringe. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that, that is 100% post-cringe the event. And you go and you fucking live for it. You get your raccoon streaks in your hair, you put your eyeliner on, you get some fishnets, and you go to fucking town. And then you go get a poutine afterwards. It's just it's the classic Canadian downtown experience. And then you make a cookie and you eat it. You make the cookie and you eat it as well. I just want to make, I want I just want to point out um, one more line from the Coke Machine Glow review that I didn't mention. Frankly, I wasn't waiting for You Wanted a Hit, Murphy's Ode to the Most Annoying Aspects of the Spoonback Catalog. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the, vo- the vocal effect he puts on that song is very Brit Daniel. Yeah. Like, both the way he sings it and, like, the kind of filter he puts on his voice, because, like, Brit Daniel's kind of like Jillian Casablancas in that he always sounds like he's coming through a radio. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's cool. That's what cool rockers do. They do. Cool rockers do do be doing that. <laughs> they do be sounding like they're going through a radio and saying vote for, vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to LCD Sound System for your music. <laughs> do you think? Do you think in uh, a twenty twenty version of this is happening would uh, would mention Bernie by name? You know, probably. Yeah, I don't. I don't I think know. So if they, too. I think. I think they would just because he's from New York. Yeah. Yeah. And as such, Drump will also get mentioned. The funny orange president with small hands? Drump oh, you could girls. definitely say something about the president being orange on an album. Oh my god, he would have a song called The President is Orange. <laughs> the president he, would have a, is... he would have a song about how he's cooler than the president. Yeah. The president is Channel Orange. 
I'm Cooler Than the President by LCD Sources. <laughs> I would really like, you know how like Tim Heidecker makes music that's like, like Donald Trump sucks, like country music, basically. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if he made an LCD sound system song instead. <laughs> the thing is, is that Tim Heidecker, like if he grayed his hair, could do a passable James Murphy, like physical impression. I think they're friends because I think Tim Heidecker's in that Noah Baumbach movie that they're in. That he's in. Fuck that! Probably. <laughs> that means he would do an even better impression. I want to hear Tim Heidecker's "I'm Cooler Than the President" LCD Sound System song now. Or uh, there's already a bit in Tim and Eric's that is an impression of James Murphy. That's like a, a sly dig, but the only one I can think of is New Teen. That's the only character that even slightly chimes with James Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tane's got the uh, the oversized jacket that's always open. Yeah. I can't wait to entertain you. <laughs> Have uh, we computer, talked at all about the, you generate the, a the cover tane? art of, of This Is Happening? Um, He is sideways on it. He's sideways, and according to, uh, I think, CMG, he looks constipated. I don't really see it. Although he, I do know that... He's just doing that awkward dance that he does. It's when sort I of had, like uh, a proto-Carlton dance. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. Don't you get it? Um, yeah. All I know is that for a while, I had my album art for this replaced with um, Hella, Hella Jeff of Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. And the it was LCD Sound System, We're Making It Happen. Um, I really wish I'd still ha- I still had... Helena probably still has that. I should ask her if she still has it. Because um, it's very good. Oh, God, that's good. If I find this image, we will post it to the Tuning Force social media. Yeah, I might get a t-shirt with that on. <laughs> Jesus. That's so good. That would You'd be extremely dating yourself to 2010. That's like the most 2010 t-shirt you could possibly create. Yeah, you yeah. wanted some stairs, but I warned you about stairs. The thing is, <laughs> jokes about warning someone about stairs are still funny to this day. LCD sound system, it keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, <laughs> that would be a good music. greatest hits name. Yeah, <laughs> true. It would. Still happening. <laughs> that is music. You're not wrong. That's about music, that. folks. Yeah, I'm David. Um, I'm gonna be releasing uh, a new album as uh, my chip music slash synth project, Spinning Voices, here in the next couple months. Hell yeah, um, baby! It'll be my first one since 2012. I've done a couple of singles and EPs since then, but nothing album length, so it's kind of exciting. Um, I also host a podcast occasionally uh, called The Stick uh, with friend of the show Zoe, which is about Homestar Runner. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Dave's with three V's. Like a funny landlord. Like a funny landlord. <laughs> Uh, I'm Matt. You can find me on Twitter at MattGCN. You could find all my other podcasts from there because they are all linked in my bio. I have a Pokemon podcast that should... I'm trying to get an episode recorded in the next little bit because there was just a whole bunch of like leaks of beta and proto-concepts and stuff. And Pokemon is very important, so obviously I have to talk about them. I'm also on Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. Uh, the most recent episode is over two hours long, and both me and uh, Scott Matt are on it. Sure are. Um, and I, yeah, I'm Scott Matt, and... Uh... I have a new album coming out this month under the name Caper Kaylee. Uh, you can find me on Bandcamp. Uh, it's out on the 27th of May. Uh, I'm also on Henry Kissinger is going to die with Matt. As Pokemon he said. going to die. Come on. <laughs> what did I say? 
You just said just going, going to, die. to die. Oh That's, my that god! That sounds like a threat. I, I'm up too late. It's seven forty-five here. Um, I need to <laughs> my bed. Uh, no, uh, I'm also on a podcast called Me Myself and IMDb, where I like uh, read re- user reviews of movies, and it's a lot of fun. And you can find me on Matt L Stephen on Twitter. Hell yeah! Best. Yeah. Thank you to Animal Style for our theme song "Open Air" from the album "Open Air," and thank you to Nikki Flowers, host of. Uh, picking up something good and a, a new noise secret podcast. podcast and a new secret podcast Actually, which i'm it's dying sec- to know what it is it's not secret it's not going to be secret anymore by the time this comes out yeah fair but it's coming or mm-hmm. if you're listening to this as a listener it's already here yeah go listen it keeps to happening it. it keeps happening folks <laughs> and as we always say i had never even seen a shooting star before i'd never seen a shooting star before i'd never seen a shooting star before, I'd never seen a shooting star before.